This podcast is produced by the Dallas Public Library and the views expressed in this series belong solely to the host and guests and are not reflective of the opinions of the City of Dallas or Dallas Public Library. Peace and blessings, everyone. Welcome to DPL Hip Hop Heads. I'm your host, Christina Angelique Gar. I am a circulation specialist at the Polk Wisdom Branch Library in Oak Cliff in the OC. And welcome to our fifth episode. Woohoo, our fifth episode. And today is going to be a real laid back episode. It's just me and you, the listeners. So let's go ahead and get started um, on today's topics. So still, of course, celebrations for the 50th anniversary of hip hop are still going on. I mean, it's pretty much still the biggest, you know, topic in headlines, like on, you know, on websites, on all our, you know, our favorite music blogs and websites. And there's a lot of celebrations going on around the country celebrating August 11th, which will be the 50th anniversary of hip hop. So one of the most interesting things that I caught this week was the New York Times has posted some amazing uh, stories and videos uh, commemorating the anniversary. So they have this uh, one article, which is entitled 50 Rappers, 50 Stories. And um, it's really fascinating. So what they did is they pretty much interviewed 50 rappers and the rappers gave their favorite, you know, moments in hip hop. Or, you know, telling their story of how they got started or, you know, what was that pivotal moment made them fall in love with hip hop. So there's a lot of good stories from a lot of different rappers from like KRS-One, Ice Cube, Busta, up into more recent artists like Lil Wayne, Gucci Mane, and a lot of others. So um, I kind of read through the stories a little bit, you know, trying to find some that I thought were interesting, get those pulled up. I know right off uh, some that stuck out for me were um, 50 Cent. RZA had a really good recollection of how, you know, the Wu-Tang got started. Let's see if I can pull up some of these stories. New York Times, you know, they want you to subscribe. (laughs) can only pull up a story so many times before they want you to subscribe. It's 50 artists, so it definitely is going to take a while to go through them all. So I just, you know, sort of picked some that I like that were my favorites. Gucci Mane um, had some memorable stories about, you know, him starting out. He said he, you know, first started listening to hip hop when he was like six or seven. And of course, you know, he said, so he says that the first cassette that he purchased was (laughs) of all uh, cassettes was two live crew. (laughs) So he, you know, took it home and his mom found it and she started playing it for her friends. (laughs) Started playing it for her friends and they were kind of, he said they were, that his mom and, his, and her friends were kind of laughing at it for what he was playing. But he said he really just bought it because of the, uh, for the cover, which, you know, who doesn't remember that? 
unforgettable two live crew album cover, right? What else does Gucci talk about? He talks about how his first album dropped two years after 50 Cent. So 50 was a big uh, influence on him. And he just talks about, you know, how he's matured. Like when you think of uh, artists that have matured in the game, in the rap game, I mean, Gucci Mane is what at the top of the list, right? When you think about how he started and, you know, all the, you know, trouble he, <laughs> legal trouble he's had, you know, the outrageous stories that you've heard that turned into, you know, cases for him. And then you look at him now and he's like a totally different, uh, totally different man, you know, with, with a wife and kids and, and, you know, can actually be looked as a role model now so that's definitely you know a story that I'm sure hey 50 more years from now another um rapper will be able to look back and say that you know Gucci Mane was a um influence uh on them another um rapper that had a great story was Lil Wayne so he talks about you know of course he grew up in in uh Louisiana and he listened to all the local artists and there were some that, you know, really stuck out for him. And then uh, he talks about, you know, some of the pivotal moments in hip hop and artists that really uh, influenced him. Were like he listened to a lot of um, East Coast, which I can definitely uh, relate to him on this, you know, being from the South. But I also was listening to a lot of East Coast early on. So he talks about how he listened to a lot of Q-Tip and Busta. Here's a quote from his story that I really like. He says, quote, I fell in love with Onyx because I believe they woke up in the morning screaming at each other. <laughs> and still my favorite artist, Missy Elliott, you know, when you're watching a sport and you're like, this person is just too cold, too damn good, and they can do whatever they want. She was that person to me. So Missy was a big, big influence um, on Lil Wayne. As, and and uh, I can relate to him again, too, because Onyx is one of my favorite, favorite groups of all time. It's like they're just always, you know, loud and hype and crunk and just have to this day, they still have like this energy that's just like unreal. It's so uh, it's so like dope to see them in person. I know I saw them a few years ago. And it was it's still one of my greatest, like one of my greatest performers. Another quote from uh, Lil Wayne's story is he says he fell in love with New York artists, anybody from the East Coast. He says they was making more of their words to me. You had people like Q-Tip and Busta way before. They give me some more swag, just a backpack and old jacket spitting. So um, he talks about how... Uh, he was really in love with like Busta style because Busta, like if you remember Busta when he first went solo, he just had this whole character that was like crazy. Like you just never saw anything like that. And 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 you know his rhymes and his videos. I'm pretty sure um, Hype Williams did like his first video, and it was just crazy. The colors and the beat, and you know his voice at the time, like. When Busta came out solo, everybody was like, whoa, this is some different stuff right here. So I can uh, relate to that. Um, he also talks about Jay-Z being one of another artist that, of course, 
influenced him a whole lot. He says, quote, to me, Sean Carter, Jay-Z was the god of words. He could have rewritten English books. I was introduced to Jay by listening to Biggie. Lucky me from In My Lifetime, Volume 1. I learned backwards and forwards. I put it in songs and I actually start off every show still saying words from that song. So that, that was something I didn't know. So Lil Wayne starts off every show with some whole lyrics. That's dope. I think that's really dope. Um, he also says that he um, started to memorize all his rhymes in his head and not write them down something that he learned from jay he said i was probably about 16 or 17 this is way before internet and all that when i heard a nugget that jay wasn't writing and i didn't want to ever see a pen or paper again in my life jay was my bible so that's really dope because you know hey everybody knows that those are the two artists that don't write anything down. You know what I'm saying? They keep all their lyrics in their head. Um, Let's see. So Rizzo was another artist that had a great story in this um, article, just recollecting on how he got started He in, in Wu-Tang and how it started off. It was just him and uh, uh, I believe Jizza and ODB. Rest in peace, ODB. It was just the three of them starting out. And, you know, they felt like they had a crazy style and crazy flow. You know what I'm saying? They were just trying to get put on. Of course, you know, all the local artists that were already pretty much had made a name for themselves influenced them. Like the Force MCs, he says, D. and then he talks about once the whole Wu-Tang came together and they got their first deal, they talk about how Islam influenced their style and how they were influenced like with other artists like Eric B and Rakim, KRS-One, Run DMC, LO Cool J. And then, you know, later on, they were blessed to, you know, share stages and stuff with Nas and Mob Deep. They give a lot of props to Outkast. And that was cool. I just, like, I've had this article on New York Times on my tabs for probably at least two weeks now because as I said at some point I'm going to go through it everybody's story but other artists that uh recollected you know important artists that influenced them and stuff you know that just happened in their careers Cameron Speaks, Styles P, Lil Baby, Earl Sweatshirt, Cardi B and I definitely want to go back and read Cardi's um Uncle Luke, Eve, Big Boy, Trina, MC Light, Big Gip, Bun B, Scarface. It's a really great article. So if you get the chance to go over there to the New York Times, that's like an article that, well, even me reading it, it brought back a lot of memories for me too. So what else is going on? There's a lot of events, like I mentioned earlier, that are commemorating hip hop. And these are uh, some events. There's a lot, there's been a lot of events already that have passed, but there's some coming up, especially in in August and September and even October. So uh, there is a Masters of the Mic Hip Hop 50 tour that is going to different cities. I was disappointed that it wasn't coming to Dallas, but it is coming to San Antonio, I believe, in August and other various cities. And the last city is October 14th. I don't remember what city it is, but it's only about 10. They only, maybe not even 10 cities that they're going to, but that's going to be a good show with Slick Rick, Big Daddy Kane, Dougie Fresh, 
And then there's, uh, you know, more recent artists. I think Two Chains on is on one stop, so that's gonna be uh real dope because I love Two Chains. I wish I could make that show. So, uh, yeah, so that's a great tour that's going on. There's also an exhibit at the Brooklyn Public Library that seems really uh, fascinating. I wish I could get to it. It's called The Book of Hove, and it's an ex exhibit that's pretty much commemorating Jay-Z. Uh, has a lot of memorabilia and stuff like that. So that's going to be at the Brooklyn Public Library uh, way into the fall. That'll be a great exhibit to go catch. Let's see, what else? There is an anniversary concert also in New York, um, September 15th. It's going to have Wu-Tang, Mariah Carey, Mary J, Sean Paul, and uh, Maxwell. So that'll be cool. The One Music Fest is coming up in October. Um, and that's going to have Run DMC, Lil Wayne, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Eve, Lil Kim, Common, Ghostface Killer and Lupe Fiasco. A lot of my faves, they always like to see uh, Ghostface in, co in concert, right? And like, and who doesn't want to see Wayne? Oh my gosh. Wayne is a show in itself, right? And so in Dallas, uh, on August 12th, there's a 50th anniversary of hip hop celebration. I know Picasso is going to be a part of that show. Let's see who else. I can't remember any other names right off. But I'm definitely going to try to catch that because uh, that'll give me a chance to see a lot of <laughs> old friends. And, you know, Dallas has played a, a pivotal, pivotal part in hip hop. And we get left out of the story sometimes. So that's definitely, you know, a time to reflect and, you know what I'm saying, give props to the artists here in Dallas that had a big part in hip hop to this day. Right. But yeah, you can go to Do214 to get more info on that show. So what else is going on? Let's go and go to some other topics in hip-hop. Once again, the 50th anniversary is August 11th, all right? So you need to go ahead and order, order go on Amazon, order your shirts or your favorite artist shirt or, you know, so you can be real, you know festive <laughs> on uh on august 11th for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop let's see so what do i want to talk about next i think i want to skip over to so let's see so over this weekend i finally got a chance to watch the tupac documentary dear mama um i watched it on hulu that's what i've got i know it's on uh one or two uh, other streaming services if you haven't gotten a chance to watch this documentary you've got to watch it like this weekend you've got to watch it this is honestly the best documentary that i've ever seen ever it's outstanding i mean that's just for lack of a better word it, it's outstanding it's produced by the hughes brothers of course so that should give you an inkling of just how great it is um, the Hughes brothers produced Minister Society. Well, what others? I think they did. Uh, I think they produced Dead Prez. You know, they did a lot of monumental movies in that era. And so, and they're very close to Tupac. You know, they're very, very close. They were pretty much, you know, good friends, best friends for a long time and followed him for many years, produced a lot of his videos. And yeah, this documentary is 
phenomenal. I I know they better get an Emmy nomination because if they don't, <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot to say about it on social media. It is, uh, it's just it's incredible. It talks about you know Tupac from his birth, his upbringing. Uh, talks a lot of of course about his mom, Afeni Shakur, and oh my gosh, like I. I don't want to stop talking about it. It's so good, but I don't want to, you know, give it away for the for you all that plan on watching it. But of course, you know that Tupac came from a lineage of freedom fighters, uh, mostly Black Panthers. So from a young age, Tupac was pretty much molded to be a freedom fighter, which is what we don't to hear about him as much you know we always hear about the negative stuff and of course the you know the shooting and um I feel like that's something that we all know we know that we know who Afeni Shakur is you know if you're a Tupac fan you know who Afeni Shakur is you know that he had ties to him and his mom had ties to the Black Panthers and you know other freedom fighters like Matu Shakur, but it really breaks down how Tupac was raised and it tells a lot about who he was before and after he got signed. And there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of positive stuff, a lot of just incredible stuff about him that the media never talks about. And you would never know unless you did the research yourself or I mean I guess if you know if you research like the Black Panthers real hard or something that you might have known about this but there was a lot about him that I didn't know and this uh documentary is great at um showing that and just painting the picture of Tupac and his relationship with his mom before and after the deal because if you know you you know if you know the story you know that there was a time where they were apart <laughs> either she was locked up or he was locked up so um it just it, you know it's subjectively about his relationship with his mom but it tells a lot of details about um you know things in his life who he was who he was what kind of man he was raised to be and it's just fascinating so make sure you watch I binge watched it all last weekend <laughs> for like three or four days and I'm, I've been telling everybody about it. It's phenomenal. A lot of celebrities have like been tweeting and posting about it, saying that it was good. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta um, go ahead and watch it. And once I did, I was, I was blown away. Five minutes into the documentary, I was crying. <laughs> if that says anything, so you've got to be sure to watch that. Don't put it off any longer because I promise you, it's gonna be the best documentary, especially the the best hip-hop documentary that you've ever watched so you know like this whole week I've been on this old school hip-hop like seeing the Tupac documentary just did it for me <laughs> I've been playing a lot of old school uh, a lot of Tupac a lot of Snoop a lot of Outkast a lot of Jay-Z it just it just like took me back <laughs> it took me back to that time so so that's been fun too I can't wait for the for August 11th it's like every time I really think about it, I get really excited. And I haven't gotten me a shirt yet. I need to, I need, I mean, I've got like, I've got some, you know, Pac shirt. I've got some, a Biggie shirt. What other hip hop shirts do I have? Well, you know, I got a Future shirt because like, you know, Future's like my, 
make-believe husband in my head. Uh, that's another topic. But yeah, I've got to find me a new shirt for the anniversary. So I need to start looking. I don't know. I would like a, t- a Trial Call Quest shirt would be dope. If I could find a Bonita Applebaum shirt, that would be really dope. Or I don't know. But I still got a little time, right? So what else is going on? Uh, let's see. Well, let's we could talk a little bit more about Tupac because there's been a lot of Tupac headlines in the news. So you know that, you know, the, the house was raided. I believe it was in Vegas. And well, they were looking for any, you know, I guess paraphernalia or any old evidence that tied into uh, Tupac's murder. And the house, you know, turned out to be the house of the cousin of the guy that supposedly shot Pop is probably the number one suspect. His name is what? Anthony something. Um, Well, it was his, I believe it was his cousin's house um, that was raided. Um, They haven't really said if they found anything in the house or, you know, uh, what they found or even if they did find anything. Um, That's been one headline. But also some unreleased footage has was uh, has surfaced online that happened the night of um the night that Tupac was murdered in Vegas after the Tyson fight. Not sure if this footage happened before or after the fight that happened in the casino, but the footage that was released, um, you can just see Pac hanging outside of a hotel with a group of women on that night. Um, and they're pretty much, you know, just like chilling and hanging out. It's nothing, you know, there's, it's not anything, you know, there's no fighting or anything like that going on, but it's just showing him and uh, like a large group of women, him, Suge and a large group of women just hanging out uh, outside of the hotel or maybe in the lobby of the hotel after the fight. And of course, soon after, soon after he was shot, but it is what it is. It's, it's footage. So, so, Okay, Dwayne Keith D. Davis. So he's the uncle of Pac's alleged killer, Orlando Anderson. That's his name, Orlando Anderson. So that's whose um, house was raided. There's also been a headline about Floyd Mayweather coming out and saying that he witnessed the shooting of Tupac. It was something said he says it was something that he never mentioned to anyone. And he had only told a few people that were really close to him. I did see, so that story posted a while back, but I know after that, a headline, like oh, maybe a few days ago, I saw a headline that said he needed to clarify what he meant by that. And I didn't get a chance to read it. So obviously there's been an update on that story. Uh, so I'm going to have to go back and read it. So, so, you know, to know exactly what he meant, because that's like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like that could really, that I'm sure it really affected him. However it, you know, played out or whatever, I'm sure that affected him. So on a lighter note, a lighter Tupac note, Tupac's crown ring went on sale, I believe like this past weekend. And it sold for a million dollars at a Sotheby's auction. And that was the first headline that we heard about it, that we didn't really hear any much. You know, hear nothing about it after that. But a few days later, it came out that Drake was <laughs> the buyer of the 
Tupac crown ring. So um, he, you know, eventually posted it on his social media. So yeah, they let us know that he bought it. It sold for $1.016 million at a Sotheby's auction in New York City, making it the most valuable hip-hop artifact ever. That's dope, right? The ring is made of gold, ruby, and diamonds, and it features an encryption that reads Pac and Dada, 1996. So that gives reference to Tupac's engagement to Kidada Jones. And all I can think of when I hear that is there's like, a, there's, they talk about that really shortly in the documentary, um, his relationship with her. So that was dope. You know, Tupac had a softer side, you know, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so sweet. So yeah, so Drake was a buyer of the ring and he posted it on his social media. And I think that's like super dope, right? Man, when you think about it, that's really dope. So tomorrow night is the Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford fight in Vegas. Um, I got a lot of friends going. They always try to get me to go, and I never go. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like Errol Spence. He's dope. But I just haven't, like, made a trip to Vegas to see one of his fights. But one thing that's always dope is that is the opening when he walks out. You know, everybody always talks about who he's going to walk out with, which he usually walks out with, um, you know, ra rappers or whatever. I think who walked him out last? I think Wayne. The last time he had a Vegas fight, I think Wayne walked him out. Wayne, Wayne. Seemed like somebody else walked him out since then, but I can't remember who. But there are talks about his opponent, Terrence Crawford, and who's going to walk him out. So Terrence Crawford posted a while back that it would be great if Eminem walked him out. And of course, Eminem replied. And hey, this is this is it's July now. So <laughs> the day before the fight. So I guess we'll see tomorrow if um, Eminem is going to walk him out, but it looks like he is because Eminem responded pretty quickly and was like, oh my God, you're actually one of my favorite boxers. So, you know, they got Terrence uh, Crawford real, real crunk. So looks like Eminem is going to walk um, him out for the fight and we'll see who walks Errol Spence out as well. That's going to be dope. Other things that are going on so Future just lost, um, you know, I always have to keep you updated on, on Hendrix, right? So he just lost this uh, child support case with his son's mother, his oldest son's mother. His son's name is Prince. And he just lost a child support hearing with the mom who is, who is Brittany Mealy. She's like a, you know, video Instagram model. And I mean, it's like, I don't know why he thought he would even have a chance of winning that because, <laughs> you know, it's it's you can find online and see how much, you know, everybody makes what everybody's net worth is. And he, he, he sold his catalog for what, like 80 mil last year. So, um, yeah, she's going to get that extra child support. So uh, she won that case. Um, I think she she was getting three thousand a month, and now she's getting five thousand a month. A whopping five thousand a month. Yeah. Anyway, that's just for one child though. So, <laughs> but you know, he's got like what seven, eight more. So you know, that's just one thing. I'm sure that's not much to him, of course, right? 
And something else exciting is uh so Quavo and and if you know if you know you know that Quavo just released a video has released a video with Future um it's the first single from his new album uh Rocket Power and that was dope uh the release date for Takeoff's album is uh let's see this is the first of August it's the first week in August which everyone you know. Offset and Quavo, you know, Migos has disbanded. And so they're both doing their solo things. So, you know, we've just been anticipating who was going to come out first. And of course, Quavo released the first single. And it looks like his album is going to be the first to drop. When in actuality, from like interviews and stuff, it was seeming like Offset was going to release first. But... Uh, look like it's going to be Quavo. But all I know is that Officer better come with it because Quavo's already released the Quavo's first single, The Sky Future. And it's like, <laughs> what's going to top that? So I'm curious to see if he can top that, right? Oh, so something I did miss, I um, neglected to mention was a lot of website and like news um, mediums have been posting the best 50 hip hop albums or like, you know, the best 50 artists, whatever. But a post that I saw that was intriguing. Um, there's a list of uh, the 50 best hip-hop debut albums. So that's really dope. So the first, and let's see, are these in any type of order? I don't, well, they don't have a number next to them. So I don't think they're in any type of order, but. Some of the albums on the list are definitely, of course, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. The Message, which came out in 1982, that's the first, right? On any 50 best album list, that's the first album that you got to mention, right? They had the whole video, so it just, you know, set the tone. Uh, Run DMC's debut album, of course, released in 1984, LL Cool J Radio released in 85, 1985. And then it was the Beastie Boys licensed to ill <laughs> in 1986. Then Salt and Pepper came out hot with Hot Cool and Vicious in 1986. And all the girls wanted to, you know, be Salt and Pepper with the leather jackets and the blonde hair and like the <laughs> the mushroom. Remember, remember the mushroom ladies? Oh, the mushroom hairstyle. Yeah. With Salt and Pepper, um, other albums, Eric, Eric B and Rakim, Paid in Full, of course, is on there. EPMD, MC Light, Light as a Rock, NWA, you know what I'm saying? Then it started to switch to the West Coast attention, and it was NWA, was straight out of Compton. De La Soul, Three Feet and Rising was a big one. I remember that was a big one for me. I remember um, buying that cassette. Coogee Rap, Queen Latifah, Hail the Queen. Then, then by that time, Ice Cube was like, yeah, I'm solo. So it was America's Most Wanted, right? Oh, my God. I got in trouble for that. <laughs> I got in trouble for that cassette. My, I never, I'll never forget the look on my dad's face when he bust in my room and, and heard <laughs> me playing that. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think it's like affected him. I think it traumatized him a little bit. To this day, my dad my, and my dad definitely was one of those dads that was like, this is a fad. He was like, you know, he's always been about gospel and jazz. And he was like, this, whatever it is, it's stupid. And it's a fad. <laughs> wow. 
he 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 still feels. I mean, he does. He I mean, obviously, he knows it's not a fad anymore. But he still pretty much feels the same way about hip hop, even though he's got two hip hop songs in his playlist that he plays all the time, and it's weird. And one of them is Bone Thugs. And when I think about it, like of all songs, my dad likes a Bone Thugs song. Anyway, <laughs> um, other albums on the list: A Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Travels. And the paths of rhythm, ooh man, that was iconic, right? Man, I, I love some tribe. Black sheep was big, right? Remember Black Sheep, uh, Cypress Hill. Then there came Dre, The Chronic in '92. Oh, man, that did it for me. That that album did it for me. I was headed to ninth grade, and that just that did it for me. I was like in love with Snoop from that moment on. <laughs> And my dad was like, just would hold his head down and shake his head. Uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Far Side. Remember that bizarre ride too? The Far Side. That that was one that stuck out with me. I was like, there. They were just so different, right? Their style and their look was so different. And then there was Diggable Planets. Uh, which I wish I I wish that we had heard more from them after the debut song. Then in '93, it was Doggy Style. Mm-mm-mm. doggy style my mom went in the store she left me in the car and there was a record store right next to the grocery store and I <laughs> counted out I maybe had like a couple dollars and the rest was changed that I counted out of my out of the car <laughs> console of the car ran in the record store bought it right quick and it was just magic because my mom stayed in the store that night for like an hour and I got to listen to like the whole thing man I'll never forget that and of course my dad found it and took it I think I've told this story before on another episode yeah he took it but I found it and I made five or six copies and I was like okay take whenever he found one I just pull out another one <laughs> Because I was a ride-or-die Snoop Dogg fan from that moment on. Uh, other albums on the list, let's see. Of course, there was Wu-Tang in 93, End of the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, um, Nas Illmatic in 94, B.I.G. in 94, We're Ready to Die, Outcast came out in 94 too, Southern Playlistic. Big L came out in 95. Oh, man. Wow. Who else? There was came Goody Mob after that, Three Six Mafia. Then there was Jay Z in '96 with Reasonable Doubt, right? Oh my gosh, that was definitely changing because I remember, I remember like the first time I heard Pac say "F Jay Z," and I was like, "Who is Jay Z?" Hey, look, I'm 45. Okay, <laughs> I'm 45. Let's see, I came out of high school in out in 95. So, I mean, I, but I think that's kind of how that year, like, in the in the 90s, we didn't, like, if you were from the South like me, you probably didn't know who Jay-Z was. You might have heard the name just because Pac said it. Because I feel like in the South, we were definitely repping Pac. Man, I don't know. I guess people were repping Biggie, too. But I just remember him saying F J Z and being like, who's who's that? Who's Jay Z? <laughs> well, it didn't take long for me to figure out who that was. And Pop and Jay Z is also one of my best artists of all time. So 
And that was what, 95? Missy came out in 97. I definitely remember that year. I was a sophomore in college. And man, that that album was incredible, right? I, we used to play it over and over. Like we knew every word to every every song. And then there was Lauren Hill in 98. Another song, another album, knew every word. Like we rewind it over and over. And, you know, Lauren is just like so amazing. Oh my gosh, to this day, right? Um, MF Doom, if you're familiar with him, he came out soon after. Most Def came out in, in 1999. Who else? Let's go back a little for, uh, to the 2000s, clip, the clips, right? Hearing clips, hearing Pusha T. I de- definitely remember thinking um, that this dude's going to be around. He's going to be around for a while, right? And then after that, let's see. Kanye dropped in 04, right, with College Dropout. Definitely monumental, right? Everybody's, like, favorite album to this day. I think most people still say that College, college Dropout is was the best Kanye album, right? Is okay. Is why I was saying was is the best Kanye album. And then Kendrick in 2011, which I mean, hey, what can you, what can you not say about Kendrick? Right, he's like the leader of you know, he's like the leader of this era of genius, pre you know, creativity, right? Earl Sweatshirt came out in 2013. I remember hearing that. And for a minute, I was like, Mm-mm, I ain't with it. <laughs> but then later, I caught on after I heard, what's the other, other guy that he's with? Tyler, the creator. And then I, saw, I was like, okay, so I, I, you know, I can get with it. I can get with it. Vince, another one of my favorite, um, like new, you know, pretty new rappers is Vince Staples. So Summertime 06, they came out in 20. 20- 15 Vince Staples is really dope uh he's like one of my favorites so yeah that's pretty much just you know I just went through like the list of the 50 and and that is on um I can't think of the website but that was like a lot of the artists on their 50 best hip-hop debut albums we're talking about debut albums so that's what made that article um real dope um yeah so hey <laughs> this, you know, this was just me today, you know, just laid back, just, you know, like recalling um great times in hip hop, right? Like this is a great time to do that. Pull out your, you know, go back, you know what I'm saying, go to your streaming service and listen to your favorite artists, your favorite albums, your favorite songs. Like this is a great time of just recalling memories, thinking about, you know, what you were doing when a certain album came out, you know what I'm saying? How you felt about it, how others felt about it. And thinking about how that artist has like grown since then, right? Whether they, you know, there's somebody like Gucci who definitely made a 360 turn for the better, or maybe somebody that, you know, kind of fell off or, you know, in the case of Pac, you know, we lost the great um, and Biggie. We lost two great um, artists, and there's been some others along the line. But you, what you got to, you know, always remember is that they are still alive in their music, right? And as long as we can hear their music and say their names, they can still hear us, and they're just as much with us now as they were in their earthly bodies. So just remember that they're still with us, okay? So let's do Tina's top five. We're coming to an end of this episode. So Tina's top five. So as I always say, these are my top five singles for the week. They might be my favorites. 
They might not be. They might be my, uh, they're just okay. But they definitely deserve mention. But I pretty much like the ones on this list. So number five, let's see, what's my number five? My number five is Ty Dolla Sign featuring Chris Brown, Motion. Chris Brown is at the bottom of my list. I know it sounds crazy. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure that I'll like the song. The more that I hear it on the radio, I'll start to like it more. For now, for now it's number five. Uh, number four is King Combs featuring Jeremiah Fabulous and A Boogie with the Hoodie. It's called Flies in the City. It's got a great old school total samples. It's really nice, really nice. And it's got all my faves because I love Jeremiah and I love A Boogie with the Hoodie. So that's definitely got on repeat in my playlist. Uh, number three is Guwap. Gucci Guwap. The song is Married with Millions. I just love how Guwap is making songs about marriage. Can you imagine? <laughs> when you think back about like the B I Might Be, Gucci, <laughs> Gucci, you know, catching cases, you know, throwing chicks out of the cars. Like, whoever thought Gucci would be making songs about being married, right? But it's a dope. He, I like how he does that. And he always includes his wife in his videos. So that's that's really dope. Like, he not going to have no video girls. The video girl is wifey right here. <laughs> so that's number three. Number two on my list is Quavo and Future. Turn your click up, um, which has a video. And it's banging. It's Quavo, it's Future. You know it's going to be a hit, right? And number one on my list is Coco Jones featuring Justin Timberlake, the ICU remix. Oh my gosh. How did she get Justin Timberlake on a remix? She had the ultimate hookup, right? Because what's the last feature we've seen Justin do, right? Like, is it the that Beyonce? The Beyonce, um... Oh no, no, it was his song. Beyonce was the feature on one of his songs right that's how it went but it's still dope like justin timberlake dope right you gotta listen to that one that's my number one pick for the week and an honorable mention i have a honorable mention which is actually a video it's a song but it also has a video that released and i believe the song is most likely gonna be on offset's album it's called jealousy and of course offset is big on having his wife <laughs> as the video girl cardi b of course right so the video is reenacting the movie baby boy so it's really dope <laughs> it's it's got some you know raunchy moments of course it's got it's got to it's cardi b and Offset, like, that's what it's going to be, right? Taraji P. Henson makes an appearance in the video, so that's dope. I just happened to catch that before I uh, logged on with you guys, so be sure to catch that video. So we're going to bring it to a wrap. It's Friday. It's 4 o'clock. I'm in the auditorium <laughs> of Poke Wisdom Branch, and in a minute, my coworkers are going to be looking at their clock saying, okay, she need to come on out of there. So we can close this place up and get home. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and end it there. And once again, my name is Christina Angelique. And I'm a circulation specialist at the Polk Wisdom Branch. If you're ever in the area, you can definitely come by and visit our great African-American section. We've got fiction, nonfiction, and biographies. And we also have an excellent children's African-American section. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, and you can always 
go to your local Dallas branch and check out any hip hop music that I've talked about that you might be interested in. And that's going to do it. It's Friday, TGIF. I'm off tomorrow. (laughs) You guys have a good weekend. And we'll see you next episode. My special guest will be Grammy Award winning producer, Jawborn. That'll definitely be the episode that is going to be just awesome. And I've been anticipating it. And it's going to be freaking awesome. So make sure that you tune in for that. Okay. Peace and blessings. Have a great weekend and peace out.